the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Tuesday, February 14th, 2023. Our phone number is 602 Anything on your mind? That's what we're here for. Advice, thoughts, you name it. Not medical advice, not legal advice, not financial advice, but any other kind. I guess I've been attuned to this for some reason or other for a long time. Perhaps it's the benefit or, to be fair, disadvantage of any racial or ethnic or religious minority to be especially attuned to these things. But in equal fairness, it should be the benefit and burden of all the enlightened and all the decent. Maybe it was just how I was raised, but it's the odious nature of racism. Now, before going any further, let's stipulate what used to be obvious but still requires stipulation to one degree or another. It is a good thing that the word, the concept and behavior of racism is taxonomized as a bad thing, a wrong and an evil. Whether used correctly or not, the word racist or an allegation of racism is considered a negative. To some, where it actually exists, short of homicide, it's just about the worst thing to plague us. Of course, too, that is but one major reason of many I despair of it being watered down or vitiated, redefined, misused, and thus weakened. But no matter how much the term has been diluted by syntactical saturation, it is still always a pejorative to identify someone or some behavior as racist. And that is still a good, a fading good, but a good because it shows we have our priorities as human beings right. We have our compasses pointing north. But the problem with taking a bad thing, a universally respected or understood evil, and attaching it to anything undesirable but that has nothing to do with that bad thing presents a lot of problems. It overblows a given problem, thus discounting its intended or expected retracting reaction, and it, at the same time, undermines the actual evil because, well, it isn't. Example, you hate segregation, let us say. It will not do to then say I oppose Martin Luther King Jr. because he's a segregationist. You've immediately, aside from showing yourself to be an idiot, made segregation impossible to understand or identify. You've also made segregation look less bad because King is such a positive or recognized good. And the notion of segregation becomes less toxic because less meaningful. Obviously, then, every time you see Martin Luther King Jr. say something you don't like and you call him a segregationist, you have to have people conclude segregation just isn't all that bad because you've totally confused not just moral and definitional categories. You've inflated them to mean things they never meant and really can't possibly mean in any language that depends on some objective meaning of language. I mean, you can't just say Buenos Dias means or translates to I hate hurricanes. The language becomes impossible and hurricanes become beautiful. So I was thinking of the story of Jennifer Say, 
a former Olympian and executive vice president of the Levi Strauss Company, where she was also the brand president. A year ago this very day, today, a year ago, she was forced out of her job. For what it's worth, she's written that before COVID, she would have described her politics as left of left of center. Typical San Francisco. But she'd been ghosted by her company after being told she needed to leave a year ago. If you clicked on her LinkedIn page, it ceased to exist. If you went to her Wikipedia page, it was about four sentences with no reference to Levi Strauss, where she had worked her entire professional life for decades. Her crime, her cause for dismissal, racism, or at least that's the trumped up charge. Her racist actions. Let me quote her piece from Substack. Here's what she wrote. Quote, early on in the pandemic, I publicly questioned whether schools had to be shut down. This didn't seem at all controversial to me. I felt and still do that the draconian policies would cause the most harm to those least at risk and the burden would fall heaviest on disadvantaged kids in public schools who need the safety and routine of school the most. I wrote op-eds, appeared on local news shows, attended meetings with the mayor's office, organized rallies, and pleaded on social media to get the schools open. I was condemned for speaking out. This time I was called a racist, a strange accusation given that I have two black sons. I was also called a eugenicist and a QAnon conspiracy theorist. She goes on, in the summer of 2020, I finally got the call. You know, when you speak, you speak on behalf of the company, our head of corporate communications told me, urging me to pipe down. I responded, my title is not in my Twitter bio. I'm speaking as a public school mom of four kids. But the calls kept coming from legal, from HR, from a board member, and finally from my boss, the CEO of the company. I explained why I felt so strongly about the issue, citing data on the safety of schools and the harms caused by virtual learning. And while they didn't try to muzzle me outright, I was told repeatedly to think about what I was saying. Meantime, colleagues posted nonstop about the need to oust Trump in, the pre, in, the pre, in what became the November election. I also shared my support for Elizabeth Warren and the Democratic Party and my great sadness about the racially instigated murders of Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd. No one at the company objected to any of that. Then, in October 2020, when it was clear public schools were not going to open that fall, I proposed to the company leadership that we weigh in on the topic of school closures in our city of San Francisco. We often take a stand on political issues that impact our employees. We've spoken out on gay rights, voting rights, gun safety, and more. The response this time was different. We don't weigh in on hyper-local issues like this, I was told. There's also a lot of potential negatives if we speak up strongly, starting with the numerous execs who have kids in private schools in the city. She goes on. The comments from Levi's employees picked up about me being anti-science, about me being anti-fat, because I'd retweeted a study showing a correlation between obesity and poor health outcomes, about me being anti-trans. I'd tweeted that we shouldn't ditch Mother's Day for birthing people's day because it left out adoptive and stepmoms. And about me being racist because San Francisco's public school system was filled with black and brown kids, and apparently I didn't care if they died. Meantime, the head of diversity, equity, and inclusion at the company asked me that I do an apology tour. 
I was told that the main complaint against me was that I was not a friend of the black community at Levi's. I was told to say that I am an imperfect ally. I refuse to do this. There it is, folks. The forced confession of something you don't believe right out of 1984, right out of every tyrannical state, right out of Stalin, right out of Mao. It makes you recall the words of Justice Robert Jackson, those who believe in enforced unification of consent soon find themselves eliminating dissenters. So she's gone and she's out. And for what again? Racism and the Racist Act, wanting nothing more than schools to be open and accessible, which is the same thing wanted for years by everyone from parents, children, teachers, teachers, unions, a million or more nonprofits, probably half the charitable efforts or more anyone ever gets involved in. And of course, the state that actually requires school attendance. And again, against what? Against a pseudoscience that proclaimed itself de novo and at the same time unquestionable that to save children from a disease that would not affect them, we must radically alter their lives as well as those of their parents. You can call something science when it isn't. Wasn't that the time-tested point of calling someone a flat earther? You can even, if you lived in the Soviet Union or in China, diagnose someone as psychologically unfit if they demur the ideological or political commitment of their countries or companies, leadership or ethos. I mean, you can say two plus two equals five and nobody can question that, but it means you either don't understand math or that you hate the notion of math. You can punish children and parents for COVID in the name of protecting them, but it means you either don't understand science or you hate the notion of children and parents or maybe just learning or maybe just families. But one thing you cannot do with the position of wanting to have kept schools open is call it racist, not if you want people to take science, COVID, or racism seriously. But the abuse of science, like the abuse of language or the abuse of psychiatry, all goes hand in hand. Again, this is how the Soviet Union, in the Soviet Union, you had the notion we now know of as the abuse of psychiatry, the abuse of medicine. Joseph Mengele gave us it in Germany. Stalin gave us that in the Soviet Union, and every Marxist society since has done the same. You have a different opinion? It's not a different opinion. It's a mental defect or disorder. So a few things, I think. We need to re-educate ourselves on what racism really is and stop planting it on everything we don't like. It is not a substitute or synonym for all things unlikable or distasteful or disagreeable, and heaven forfend if it ever becomes that, for it will have the effect of making it exactly the opposite so that in short time, nobody will take racism seriously anymore. I believe there's an Aesop's fable on that we all used to know. You might say the same thing about white nationalism, as that phrase was waged and deployed by ASU professors over the last two weeks about the well-recognized observant Jewish scholar Dennis Prager, simply to keep him from speaking on the campus. You might say the same thing about the word fascism or Nazism. They used to be a special and unique evils. Today, they trip off the tongue without a moment's thought or consideration, thus weakening the import of actual fascism or Nazism through word inflation. I mean, if Ron DeSantis is a fascist, how bad can fascism really be? And if Donald Trump was a Nazi, well, I, I can tell you I know of the idea of millions of dead souls who'd have given their eye teeth to live under him in Germany circa 1933 to 1945. And we need to re-educate ourselves on what I 
thought crime is, which is to educate ourselves that there is or should be no such thing. As Thomas Jefferson put it, the coercion of the laws can operate on the actions of the body, but not the operations of the mind. Let us understand something long overdue. George Orwell didn't write 1984 before Stalin. He wrote it to explain him. And isn't it fascinatingly interesting that in Oceana, in the novel 1984, there is actually no such thing as science? I'll give you the sentence from page 244. Quote, in news speak, there is no word for science. The empirical method of thought on which all the scientific achievements of the past were founded is opposed to the most fundamental principles of socialism. Close quote. Interesting, no? And so we beat on, blithely, blithely acting and accepting all this as if all this is normal or the new normal or okay or tolerable. And you know what will ultimately happen in English, in America, if we keep going at this rate? There will soon be no word for racism. It will have been rendered irrelevant or meaningless by its very corruption. Think I exaggerate? You and I can already name a major broadcaster at the American Broadcasting Corporation who will tell you Hitler was not a racist. We keep going at this rate. You know who will benefit? The same people who always benefit in tyrannical societies who are emulating all this thinking and behavior. The truly tyrannical. And you know who will be the first to be punished? Those who already have been. The innocent and the children. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson. One of the, um, one of the reasons that in some of my monologues I will express a certain level of passion or ire is because we, whether you are an independent or a public, whether you're anything, we have to get this right. We only get inter, inter, interspersed opportunities on election day or election month or whatever we want to call our elections every two years, the chance to get this stuff right, which is why the nomination of who we want to carry that water for us is so damned important. I'm consumed by the notion that we have something like 14 potential nominees or 14 potential candidates seeking the nomination of the Republican Party for president. I would love your thoughts on that and the latest one. Here's Nikki Haley today. The railroad tracks divided the town by race. I was the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Not black, not white. I was different. But my mom would always say your job is not to focus on the differences, but the similarities. And my parents reminded me and my siblings every day how blessed we were to live in America. Some look at our past as evidence that America's founding principles are bad. They say the promise of freedom is just made up. Some think our ideas are not just wrong, but racist and evil. Nothing could be further from the truth. I have seen evil. In China, they commit genocide. 
In Iran, they murder their own people for challenging the government. And when a woman tells you about watching soldiers throw her baby into a fire, it puts things in perspective. Even on our worst day, we are blessed to live in America. I was born and raised in South Carolina, so I have seen the very best of our country. People here threw out the old, tired political establishment and demanded accountability for their tax dollars. Industry reports called us the beast of the Southeast, which I love. People came by the thousands for fresh starts. Moms and dads held their heads up high. Children learned that it was always it's a great day in South Carolina. It's a great day. It's a great day. A great day. A great day in South Carolina. We were strong. We were proud. And when evil did come, Police in South Carolina are looking for a gunman following a shooting at a church. Several victims, we don't know the uh, severity. We turned away from fear, toward God, and the values that still make our country the freest and greatest in the world. We must turn in that direction again. Republicans have lost the popular vote in seven out of the last eight presidential elections. That has to change. Joe Biden's record is abysmal, but that shouldn't come as a surprise. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership to rediscover fiscal responsibility, secure our border, and strengthen our country, our pride, and our purpose. Some people look at America and see vulnerability. The socialist left sees an opportunity to rewrite history. China and Russia are on the march. They all think we can be bullied, kicked around. You should know this about me. I don't put up with bullies. And when you kick back, it hurts them more if you're wearing heels. All right. Well, let me know what you think. Pretty darn good message about communism and about evil and about socialism. Pretty good message about how even America on our worst day is better than any other country. Pretty good message about American exceptionalism. Pretty good message about the economy. Pretty good about getting over the fetish of loosely throwing the terms racist and racism around. But is it enough? And is she the right person? And if not her, who? I know that was an extended play. I wanted to give her her full due. I'll do it with every candidate that announces. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'm Seth, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the founder and president of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. His website is grandcanyonplanning.com. Great website. Easy way to get in touch with him. And he is the host of his own radio show here, bright and early, Saturday mornings at 7 a.m., called The Word on Wealth. How are you, John? Happy Valentine's Day, Seth. And Arizona Statehood <laughs> Day as well. Arizona Statehood as well, yes. Yeah, you betcha. You betcha. Cute 
pid, draw back your bow and let your arrow flow. <laughs> and it, believe it or not, a Hallmark did not uh, create this, no. this event. No, but, uh, I know. Yeah, I know. It goes back quite a while. But ways. they're not complaining. No, they're not. <laughs> okay. Have you tried to buy a, I went to buy a card yesterday. I have to say this for Tracy yesterday. Talk about inflation. Yeah. And I'm ring, I bought like uh, one of those chickens, you know, that you can buy at the supermarket. And they're pretty reasonable. Because you needed the eggs. Seven, yeah, right. Seven ninety nine for the chicken. Yeah. And then I, I totaled up. I just bought that in a Valentine's Day card. And if the total was like $19. And I said, wait a minute. This doesn't make sense. And yeah. I said, oh, to the girl, that was a mistake. $10 for the card. Yeah. It was more than the chicken. Yeah. The card uh, was she, more than the chicken. Yep. That, that's uh, that's the world we're in. And eggs yeah. are 70% <laughs> higher than they were a year ago. Yes, they are. Right. And uh, butter and margarine is a third higher than it was a year ago. Mm-hmm. Fuel oil, almost a third. Yeah. Let's talk about inflation. We got a report today. Yes, we did. Uh, a little little bit higher than what was expected, yeah. the uh, consumer price index numbers. Of course, uh, these are the prices that consumers pay. Mm-hmm. They have the producer's price index as well, which will be coming out shortly, uh, which will give us an indication on what producers pay for their um, you know, items to manufacture. Uh, but, yeah, it was a little higher than expected, a half a percent for the month, and uh, year over year that would be 6.4%. Uh, which uh, is down quite a bit, of course, from our nine per nine plus percent back in June. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was higher than what was expected. They were expecting uh, four tenths of a percent, which oh. would have been an annual rate of six point two percent. So that you know kind of gave the market a little bit of a shock, and uh, we saw stocks pull back. They were you know planning looked like the uh, futures were going to open a little bit higher, and picking up on yesterday's rally. But you know what was interesting throughout the day? We did see the markets begin to recover some of those losses. The Dow was down over 400 points at one point, mm-hmm. but but closed down just about 140 or 50 points. And the NASDAQ actually closed up in, in the green. So uh, it was actually a pretty uh, interesting thing to watch throughout the day that the markets are taking this in stride as we have corporate earnings are kind of finishing up here. But we're finding most of the corporations have been pretty uh, close with their forecasting and giving uh, some fairly decent uh, reporting, which I think is uh, showing that the markets are really uh, pretty stable at the moment anyway. Yeah, that that would be my deduction. Um, but the inflation thing is the thing that um, is, is kind of interesting to me. I guess Joe Biden's reshuffling some of his economic advisors mm-hmm. um, and – I don't know. I mean, is 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 the Fed getting it right or getting it wrong? It shouldn't we? No one really expected. No one. Few people expected it to come in higher as it did, higher than 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 right. it did as it did come in at the report today. And you know, it's as one of the analysts at CNBC was saying. The troubling thing about the pervasiveness of this is the fact that it's hitting hardest in the categories that are. Necessities. That's why yep. I was mentioning eggs, butter, eggs fuel, food, that kind so of thing. Forth, yeah, yeah, right. You have motor vehicle repairs. Yeah, car prices dropped slightly, but they're still extremely high, as we know. So yeah, everything is. And as I mentioned, just buying a card. Yeah. In the store, uh, ten dollars for that's a, really a, incredible a Valentine's to me. Day card. Yeah. That's, so it is happening uh, in all phases of our life, and as as we know, the um, individuals who are on the lower income side of of the charts are going to be feeling this much worse than than others, and that's the average American yeah. out there. Yeah. So there has to be uh, more to be done here. I think that the government in general needs to be more fiscally responsible yes, as well, and of don't course. add of to that's the challenge the of inflation. Of 
you know, here we have the Fed raising rates as the government continues to spend more and more and trying to pass more bills to spend more and more. It just doesn't make sense. And let's stop thinking that we can do favors for the employee class by right. making life more difficult on the employer class based on the that kinds well, of analysis we talked, we about, talked about yesterday. Stocks, exactly buybacks, right. and so forth. Exactly yeah. right. Uh, corporate America is not, you know, I mean, there's some things, of course, we want to regulate in corporate America, but we they're not the enemy. No, right. And I they think are, we, no. You know, <laughs> no, they are not the enemy, yeah. not when you need the paycheck, which is, you know, becoming thinner and thinner yeah. based on this inflation, which is just tough, tough yeah. stuff. And this is creating a lot of challenges for a lot of people out there yep. wondering, how they should invest their money, and that's what we do for clients. Yeah, you got to t- Yes, you're. You're. I, w- I wanted to say that too. Make a point of that as well. I mean, when people are thinking, "Do I need to take out money now or not?" You're the ideal person to talk to them with their individual circumstances. So, exactly. let me just mention that as we uh, hit the hit the break here. Sir. All right. Securities and advisory services offered through Creative One Securities LLC, a member of Finn Rincipican, an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Creative One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, John, and love to Tracy, and I'll talk yeah. to you tomorrow. All right. All right. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. John is in Phoenix. Hello, John. Hello, Seth. How hey, are you? Uh, doing well. How are you? I'm doing just fine. Thank you. Good. I don't know if you recall, last time I called, it was after Crosby's passing, and we briefly just talked about music. So all I'm going to mention, what I want to mention here is we lost Bacharach. Yeah, how do you feel about, I know. How do you feel about that music? I yeah, know, I, I mentioned like something. It it broke just as um as I was starting the show. I think it was last Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, and we played a little music in tribute to him. And then I said, for the best eulogy you will find of his, or the best obituary, perhaps. Uh, I, I said, I'm going to guess that Scott Johnson at the Powerline blog will have it this weekend, and son of a gun, he did. So. The, he he just went through the 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 uh, not obviously the entire catalog that would be too voluminous but a great a great catalog and series of stories about Bach Rock. Um, I learned something about him I shamefully should have known. I did not know this um, in reading about his passing, and I should have known. John, um, he was the first um, the first. Uh, uh, the first composer to put flugelhorns into popular music outside of jazz or outside of instrumental music. I had no idea. I wonder if I wonder if Herb Alpert, Herb Alpert was his horn man. Uh, you know, I don't A&M, think so, right? and I'll tell you why. I, I'll tell you why. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I, I, the reason I don't is because I was trying to find out who the flugelhorn players were, and usually uh-huh. that's pretty easy to do. Um, you check personnel from liner notes, etc., and I couldn't find him, so it led me to think it must have been studio or session players, perhaps with the Wrecking Crew or non-named. If if Herb okay, Alpert okay. or or someone like that were on those albums, they would have promoted it probably. Okay, and I'm but just a, the, quick... just an assumption. If anyone does know who the flugelhorn players were on 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 those early songs, I'd love to know. I'm going to hit three quick points Probably with you, but I'm like going to finish Jerry on Backrack. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to finish on Backrack. Okay, because you put out your favorite song of Southern Cross, uh, and I told you my favorite was Sweet Judy Blue Eyes. Yes. So with Backrack, I'm going to go with a little, the little more obscure. This guy's in love with you. Yeah. And also, 
I'd love to say a little prayer. Uh, yeah, well, uh, that, that might, yeah. Uh, what did I play, Bill? I think I played Raindrops, not necessarily my favorites. I think we, in honor of him, did Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head. The reason I did yeah. is because I don't think a song in a movie ever matched as beautifully as that. Anyone who hears that song and saw Butch Cassidy Butch knows Cassidy. that scene, you know, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> with the yeah. bike riding. Uh, and then I think oh, we played one I don't think a lot of people did know was his song, which was... Um, Arthur's theme, uh, Between the Moon and New York City. You wrote it with Carol Bearsett. That's exactly who right, who to. he was married to. Good for you, John. Good for you. Well, I, I, I actually learned that. You said what you learned. <laughs> I learned that the other night because oh, okay. I was surfing around a little bit. Okay. And then I saw he was married to her. He wrote a couple of the songs, which are not my favorites by any means. Yeah. Uh, and he was married also, though, to Angie, J- Angie Dickinson. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's a good-looking man. <laughs> yeah, he did well. <laughs> he was not nice, though. He was not such a, a good man to Carol Bayer Sayer. I learned that, right? that, too. So. Oh, is that right? But anyhow. Someone uh, once told me, you never want to look too closely. You know, no man is no. a hero to his valet, Hegel said. We've all got our strengths yeah. and weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. Let me hit a couple of uh, sure. political points. Sure. Um, so, okay. And Nikki thank you Haley, for that, by asked... the way. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for doing that. Oh, yeah. Us. Nikki Haley, yeah. um, you asked what we thought. Yeah. So, I love her message. Um I don't think she has the awareness or is going to arouse the passion. Um, I think uh, my guy's going to be someone like DeSantis. Um, I think he's he's doing it. He's he's uh, not just words through actions. I think there's just way too much negativity in regards to Trump. I think it needs to be a clean slate. I think people sitting on the center are way more likely to maybe lean towards the DeSantis than some who are just going to be, you know, the definitely no on the Trumpers. So, I mean, that's just me. Would uh, you agree with the caller I had during the break? The caller said, I loved Nikki Haley's message. It was a perfect message. And I hope she withdraws before the first primary. I think I did hear something like that. Yes. That, yeah, she doesn't. It appears to me. I don't know. I'll put it out. And I'm no major political. I'm just learning. It appears she doesn't have a shot. Yeah, it appears to me that way, too. And... Yeah. You know, it's a funny thing because she's clearly she's clearly not not in Trump's camp anymore, and mm-hmm. which would mean you would think that she doesn't want Trump to be the nominee. And this is where I think self knowledge is so important. She's not going to be the nominee, but her entering no. the race makes the likelihood of Trump being the nominee all the greater. The more people are in it, the more it favors Trump because he starts with a certain mm-hmm. base that the others don't, and they're going to divvy up. So he will win. Pro- the more people Seth, are in, the more primaries just, Trump will win. I'm just afraid that there's just too much hate. I'm, I hear it. Trump. I hear you. And, and the people in the center, and and it's like they finally sort of did whatever they needed to ethically, or I mean unethically, to boot his butt out, and then is the is the U.S. and the world going to welcome him back? I you am a—I uh, think I've said on this show, I think I have, if I haven't, I will again, or I will now, uh, I'm for DeSantis. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm for DeSantis. My my, I, I'm open to every argument, and I'm everyone will have uh, you know their voice uh, be heard here fairly. But I, my 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 inclination is towards DeSantis. Me too. It's a clean slate. He's young. He's positive. Um, uh, it's going to be sad to see the way that they're going to try to tear him apart. Sure. as They've already started sure. to do that. But look at how he has been able to fight back and win every time they do. That's something too. Well, what do you think? 
What do you think about Trump going after him, though? I mean, that, I don't like that either. Well, I think it was probably a strategic move of Donald Trump's to show if you get in, this is what you're going to have to expect. And I think it looked petty, and I think we don't need it. And he keeps doing it. Yeah. He keeps doing it. Trump keeps doing it. I know. I know. Anyhow, I know. Let me move on to the next We need to learn how quick. to win, and we need to learn how to lose as a party. Lincoln's birthday. Yes, sir. Sunday, right? Yep. This last Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, appear, it appears, and you're a big Lincoln man. I know you are very big. In fact, you're, you're uh, the professor, your mentor, oh, you, or whatever. Oh, you listen carefully. <laughs> yes, yes, Well, yes. you recommended that. That's the only book you recommended that I didn't read. <laughs> I read all other six that you did. Aww. Uh, Aww. But, and it's just because I finished something on Civil War and Lincoln. Okay. Uh, but anyhow, it appears that, you know, part of this institution, part of, uh, well, definitely this administration, uh, socialism, communism, everything's about overturning the past, delegitimizing yeah, the past. Right. It appears there's not much attention given to our best and greatest That's president. Right. That's right. That's it, right. It's been sort of quiet about Lincoln's birth. Yeah, <laughs> Lincoln's it used birthday. to be a celebrated thing. And, of course, I don't think, John, I have to take a break, but you're welcome to hold and, and come back on the other side. You've been such a good citizen and caller, and I want you to have the chance to say everything you want to say so bear with me as i go to break uh, i there there was there was not a classroom not a single classroom in america that didn't have george washington and abraham lincoln's pictures at least in the early grades bill you had them right i don't know if there are public school classrooms that have them still but um the idea that we just collapse it all into president's day means we've put abraham lincoln and george washington on par with Millard Fillmore and I don't know you you pick James Garfield it's just it's just a watering down it's an attenuation of greatness A lot of you have been hearing me talk about why refi for a long time now. And if you still have questions about what an investment with them can do for you, they are they are telling you you can give them a call and they're happy to put you in touch with any number of their many satisfied clients and customers who have invested with them from the Phoenix area and are doing very well. Would you like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the stock market or Joe Biden's economy? Did you know you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds, and you can keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred? That's right. Your money can stay in your IRA, and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com, or better yet, give them a call at 888-Y-REFI-34, 888-Y-REFI-34. John in Phoenix, thank you for uh, being patient and holding. Sure, Seth. Um, so, yeah, we were talking about Lincoln, and my whole point was about uh, delegitimizing our heroes yep. um, and uh, becoming less and less important. And You saw Disney just, take just, a full frontal assault on him with that, uh, with that video they put out last week that said Lincoln didn't free the slaves. That's what I meant. Yeah. Disney's the Disney thing, yep. too. Yep. It, it's sad, and these are... Uh, I'm, I'm reading a, a book which I'm almost done. I, I voraciously tore into this book. Uh, you aware of the book, The Black Book of Communism? Oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes. Okay, well, I'm reading it, and I'm learning so much because, so much, you know, we're not taught about this in high, I went to, I mean, in high school and college and even graduate school, but I never, you know, I, you don't learn about what went on with the famine in Ukraine. Right. You don't learn about how many. No, that's right. 
That's right. Sounds like I may have lost your... Did you hit mute? Give you a second there to see if you recover there. Uh, you may have hit mute or your battery may have died there, John. But yes, that's right. I'm here. Okay, go ahead. You were, you were for some reason, just interrupted. But go ahead. Yes, you don't learn about these no. things. Right. So what I'm saying is the Black Book of Communism, which is written by those Frenchmen, mm-hmm. uh, um, which I guess was supposed to try to influence the French government right. at the end of uh, 1990s, it's fantastic. And it appears that, you know, bits and pieces of it are a playbook of what the socialists and communists in this country are doing. Yes. Uh, you know, they're taking bits and pieces of what Stalin did and of what uh, you know, Mao's government did, et cetera, et cetera. And this Lincoln thing and delegitimizing and uh, creating false idols. And, uh, you know, I sent a, a friend of mine sent a text. I talked about something about Lincoln's birthday, and I said something about statues, and I made a joke. And you know what he said? He said something about put up a George Floyd statue. And I said, well, there is that, there's that, was that huge George yeah, Floyd they, they statue. Yeah, they got that. No one's going to take that down. Right, right. And it's like, and then I think to myself, and, you know, this is again, like 1984. So let's compare the the symbolism of Lincoln versus the symbolism of George Floyd as man. Uh, I mean, uh, the symbolism of Lincoln versus the symbolism of anyone. He was probably the most important American, pre- he was most uh, important president in the country. I said with an author of his uh, last week, an author of a new book on him last week, I said he was our founder's lawyer. That's why the left wants to tear him down. You go after the founding by taking out their greatest advocate and thinker. Bless you, John. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.